Hi, this is Crystal Cyrus from the OOTW podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 183, Thor Movie Review. Brian, along with Derek Myers, welcome to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Derek, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? I'm doing very good. Hockey playoffs in full swing, man. Oh, yes. Pumped. Well, we're Canadian. We love hockey and uh, we also love pop culture. Is there anything new in pop culture for you this week? Absolutely. So uh, there is a brand new movie that just dropped this week. Uh, well, it came They're out in theaters. They're still making new movies now? Yeah. With COVID so, so, what is it? Well, I guess some parts of the world, COVID is, uh, we'll say, under control with quotation mm-hmm. marks. Mm-hmm. And so people are allowed to start going back to the movie theaters. And so a lot of movies are being released in theaters and on demand at home simultaneously. Let me, or like, let me ask you a question. Let me, yes. interrupt. let me ask you a question. Are you excited to go back to the movie theaters? No, no. And why not? I think there's too many people out there that are stupid and are going to um, come into a movie theater knowing that they're sick or not taking the necessary precautions mm-hmm. and put other people at risk. And I figure, you know what? I don't want to be a part of that. And and now, you know, like with the streaming services that we have and all these options at home, like it's like never before. I mean, you, you can get everything at home. And a lot of this stuff is debuting you know, through streaming services anyway. So now, don't I, I almost feel like movie theaters might go extinct. Well, I mean, so in, uh, let me backtrack on your question. Sure. I, 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 I do miss the movie going experience. I mm-hmm. do miss the opportunity to see movies on the giant screen. It's the, the potential for stupidity in the audience mm-hmm. that is putting me off. And so that I think over time will start to diminish. Uh, well, I mean, the stupidity won't diminish, but the risk that comes with it will diminish. Um, and I think for certain movies, there's just going to be a need that you that it's like an event movie. Right. Uh, and, and I'm just going to want to go and I'll I'll take the risk or I'll I'll be smart about it and say, go on a Sunday 12 o'clock matinee instead of the Friday night 9 p.m. showing right. because I suspect there will be fewer people there. Um, but in any case, yeah. So getting back to my original point though, was, uh, so they are releasing movies at home. We, my wife and I've had an opportunity to, uh, pay to watch a few new releases on demand since this new, new opportunity has presented you watched, itself. Um, you watched wonder woman 1984, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And tenant was another one that we right. really wanted to see. Right. So when it became available we watched the Mila Jovovich one monster hunter, which okay. was on sale for I think five bucks or something. Right. So and, it was a little and, bit and so what's, what's the new one that you just saw? So the new one we watched just this week is called wrath of man. It stars Jason Statham, who people would probably remember from the transporter series. And it's written and directed by Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie, of course, uh, a lot of people will remember he did Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. He did Snatch. He did the recent Sherlock Holmes remake with Robert Downey Jr. He was married to Madonna, wasn't he? Correct. Correct. He might still be for all. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, Personally, I'm a big fan of his work. He had a movie come out last year, the year before called The Gentleman with a huge cast, including Matthew McConaughey. That was really good. He does like gangster movies. And so this this movie is sort of in that vein. It's about a guy who works for a um, an armored car, car, an armored car company that transports uh, millions of dollars, and then of course there's heists involved and criminals involved. And uh, I, I don't want to give too much away. And I would say, if you're a fan of Guy Ritchie's work and you think this is something you may eventually at some point ever want to watch, do not watch the trailer. The trailer gives away the like two or three big reveals that happen through the. It would be like if they put out a trailer now for the sixth sense. And the first thing they show you is, is the you know, the, the twist from the sixth sense yeah. in the trailer, you'd be like, well, why am I going to waste my time with this movie? Yeah. Just show me the, the part that's sort of pivotal to, Oh, you know, you pull back the curtain, you show me what's up. So not that that's how this movie works, but there are some pretty, Rosebud is a sled. Exactly. There are some pretty <laughs> significant things that the way the movie is, is 
told, like it's not all told in a linear fashion. And so as you start to get flashbacks and understand sort of why certain characters are in certain places and doing certain things and motivated a certain way, you those are doled out deliberately in the way the movie was put together. And if you watch the trailer, it's all revealed in the first 60 seconds of the trailer. So do yourself a favor, do not watch the trailer, but do yourself a favor when you have an opportunity to watch this movie, take it. It was good. It was fun. It's if you like this genre, if you're a fan of Guy Ritchie's work, I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy this movie. I liked it a lot. Nice. I, I, I'm not going to pay to watch it a second time, but when it comes out on HBO or Crave or Amazon or wherever it's going to eventually end up in six to eight months, I am definitely going to watch it again when it's available at no extra cost to me, but it was quite good. I think, I think I paid 25 bucks for it. Well, the wife and I would watch it together, which I would have had no problem paying that in the theater. So I was very pleased with that purchase. So that was the first one. Nice. Wrath of Man, written and directed by Guy Ritchie, starring Jason Statham. It's brand new, just dropped. Strong recommendation. I think me. it's just the title that throws me off because it's a little bit close to Wrath of Khan. So it just yeah, yeah, or Wrath of the Titans, or yeah, mm-hmm. no, there's a lot of Wrath. Movies I don't know. I don't know that one, but uh, Wrath means revenge for people yeah. who maybe aren't familiar with the word. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So um, the other thing I have is a documentary that I've been teasing for a few weeks. I'm going to talk about it. For 40 days and 40 nights, he watches documentaries, he likes to learn about the world, it's Derek's Documentaries, Derek's Documentaries. Please do share. All right, so on CNN, Mm -hmm. they are doing an excellent six-part documentary series called The Story of Late Night, and it's all about late night TV. It starts with... Steve Allen and Jack Parr. It moves to Johnny Carson. It goes into David Letterman. It goes to the Leno Letterman feud. It switches over to Conan O'Brien. And then when the the field opens up and you get Chelsea Handler, George Lopez, Arsenio Hall, John Stewart, Stephen Colbert, and then it eventually moves on to the very newer ones, Jimmy Fallon, Trevor Noah, um, Seth Meyers, James Corden. It's just this chronological look at the phenomenon that is late night TV, how it started, how and why it's been so successful over the years, the hiccups it's had along the way, and how it has continued to reinvent itself to be relevant, despite some pretty substantial stumbles along the way. And it focuses on the personalities that have been pivotal to the success of late night TV shows. It's a six part series. The sixth and final part debuts this weekend, but these they've been rerunning them on the weekend. I think they they're on Saturday nights or Sunday nights. The episodes are an hour long, but they've been doing like, Saturday night, they do the two or three episodes from the week before, and then Sunday night, they do the new one. So I suspect if you haven't seen this, but you're interested, you should have no problem getting caught up. So I've never really been a huge fan of the late night, late talk show phenomenon. It's just never been something that's appealed to me at any age, even when I was a teenager, when I was at college um, and coming now. I don't know. I guess I just... It's, it's not really a genre that I've ever really felt uh, a close kinship with, despite my love of pop culture. I don't know, just something about it. It's never really appealed to me. But that being said, I understand and can certainly appreciate its value to pop culture and the importance it has to television, the importance it's had to to pop culture in general. And obviously someone like Johnny Carson had a tremendous amount of influence and they did a whole show just about Johnny Carson and sort of his his power and his star making ability. And, I don't think and, people realize too, and you would have known from seeing it, how influential and how innovative Steve Allen was. Yes, that too. Yes. Man, oh man, was he innovative. Yeah. So anyway, I've gone on and on about this. I can't, again, as much as I liked the movie I just talked about, this is even better. It's called the story of late night. It's a six episode documentary series from CNN. Nice. It's, it's outstanding. Do yourself a favor. If you've got CNN, try to see if they've got some on demand. Uh, if not, the new episode, the last episode of the series airs this week. And I, I suspect CNN will run the whole six parts again in the not too distant future. So watch for it. It's fantastic. Story late night. Nice. Okay, Derek, I got something for you. You know, we affectionately call you caveman, as you know. And I say affectionately because we love you, man. You know. I love um, you too, man. Yeah. However, you like new movies and newer pop culture, whereas I'm obviously stuck in the past, clearly. And every week around here, I go on and on about Gen X pop culture, how it's superior, you know, to this newer stuff that you see nowadays. And you just don't seem to be so convinced. So I felt I needed to up my game 
a little bit. And I decided to try Uh-oh. to get through to you. Uh-oh. Uh, instead of just trying to get through to you, you know, with my with my arguments every week, I decided to try and get through to you via the gift of song. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yay. So here's a little song I wrote about you. I'm like, well, I know this where this is from. I'm like, this is from Spaceman. I'm like, oh no, he's gonna make a caveman, isn't he? Yeah, I did. Went nice. Way, so well, it, it was clever. It was creative. Mm. Uh, it would definitely wasn't your worst one, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm sort of somewhere <laughs> in the middle. I, I, I'm certainly flattered. It's about you, uh, man. You should yeah, love uh, that. And yeah. kids are gonna dance to it in dance clubs. Yeah, I think I think when you say kids, I think you mean like three year olds who can't distinguish the lyrics and are just dancing to the music. Ah, uh, yeah, kids. Yeah, kids. You know what all those kids like? Here's your dad joke of the week. Since we're doing a superhero film, I thought that I would do a superhero dad joke for you this week, Derek. Okay, Derek, <laughs> what did the superhero with a lisp say after he worked out too hard at the gym? Oh, man. I, I'm sure this is probably going to be inappropriate. I have no idea. I'm Thor. It's not very PC, is it? No, here, let me tell you. Let me tell you one. This is a limerick that I, or a limerick poem that I remember from a long time ago. Don't ask me why I remember it. This is, it goes a little something like this. The Thunder God went for a ride upon his favorite filly. I'm Thor, he cried, and his horse replied, you forgot your thaddle, Philly. And you're going to hell. Star Trek could always see into the future, couldn't they? What do you have that we could slap Star Trek logos onto? Shatner's hair. The toys that made us. The TJ Hooker hair. TJ Hooker. I could have auxiliary power back in a few minutes. Yeah, no, I I, I really like it. Con! I give you a quick scan to make sure you're okay. Kirk got around a little bit. Go. Do you need a tranquilizer? Oh my God. Derek, it was your turn to nominate a film this week. Uh, you had to relate it to my pick from last week, which was Johnny Dangerously. Maybe you can get us started this week by talking about why you picked this movie, Thor, from 2011, why you felt it was important for me to watch, and how the hell it's related to Johnny Dangerously. Sure. So... <laughs> The, with Johnny Dangerously, it is a movie about two brothers, one who's a criminal and one who's a law enforcement person who are at odds with each other. And it's clear the two brothers love each other, even though they have very different ideas of how to live their lives. And so with that thread, I thought, I'm going to ask you to watch the first Thor movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, starring Chris Hemsworth as Thor and Tom Hiddleston as his brother Loki. And it's at its heart, it's a story about these two brothers. Again, both of them clearly have uh, an emotional connection. They've grown up together. They're brothers. They love each other. But one's a good guy. One's a bad guy. And and it's the shenanigans that they they get up to and the uh, you know the, the the plotting and scheming that happens between them. So I thought that 
the theme carried forward quite nicely from Johnny Dangerously into Thor. I also wanted you to watch Thor because I'm hoping to get you into more of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's over yes. 20 movies. Yeah, I've asked you to that. watch Iron Man, which is the first yep, one. Yep, we watched And I Iron asked Man. you to watch Guardians of the Galaxy, yes. which I think is the seven or eighth one, but it's a standalone film, so you don't really need any context of it. And so then with Thor, this is... I want to, I'm sorry, I didn't do my homework on this one, but I think it's the third movie. I think the Incredible Hulk was second. So we skipped over that one, but I mean, you're familiar with the Hulk TV show. So that's really all you need to know. Mm -hmm. And then this is, this is the, the release of Thor. So for most of the movie going audience, they probably were not really familiar with this character, at least with the Hulk. There was a lot of people were familiar with the Hulk from the TV show. Uh, even Iron Man was sort of a hard sell to a lot of people. But by the time Thor came around, it's like, how do they get people into the theater to see this? Well, you've you've got a proven track record now. You've got a couple of movies under your belt if you're Marvel. But you fill it with people like Anthony Hopkins, Natalie Portman, Stellan Skarsgård, Idris Elba. Uh, you know, these are names that people know and and they recognize people who have been awarded. I mean, Anthony Hopkins is is got an Oscar. Natalie Portman's got an Oscar. And then you bring in new talent like Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston. And Kat Denning in a minor role and Greg Clark or Clark Gregg in a, in a minor role. And these are all people that are a little younger, a little more up and coming, uh, who don't necessarily have a wide, huge fan base. But you put them in a movie like this and suddenly they become breakout stars. And so I wanted you to watch it in part because it's one of the early Marvel movies. And if we're going to get you to watch more of these, you need to know who all the characters are and how they fit together. Uh, the character of Loki is the primary villain in the Marvel movies for like the first 10 or 12 movies. So again, kind of hard to push into the next sort of phase of the, of these movies without understanding who the primary villain is. And, um, yeah, I thought, well, you know what, this, I knew you like to watch these movies with your wife or with your kids. I figure your wife may not enjoy this one as much, although Chris Hemsworth takes his shirt off a few times and I know my wife loves that part of it, but it's a superhero movie. I figure your kids are probably going to enjoy it. So for all of those reasons, that's why I wanted you to watch it. And you mentioned last show too, when you nominated this movie, you mentioned again how my wife would like watching it because Chris Hemsworth takes off his shirt. And for some reason, after watching the movie, she went and took an abnormally long shower. Oh my. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what she was doing. And to be honest, I don't really care. Probably better not to ask. Well, because it gave me time to. Jeez. Well, just let's put it this way. The next time you and your wife are being intimate and she calls out Chris, just assume she's talking about you and don't think too much about it. Yeah. <laughs> there's been there's been a lot recently that hasn't made it past the censors, and this week is no exception. Um, so anyway, the thing with these Marvel superheroes movies is that they make boatloads of money, right? That's why they oh, keep making Ridiculous them, amounts right? of money. Yeah. And this one's no exception. So if we take a look at the box office from 2011, like... <sighs> I do this every almost every week when we look at these movies and I look at the box office from that year. And this one really stands out to me. So you've got Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. That was the number one film that year. $381 million. Transformers Dark of the Moon and, you know, there's Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, there's The Hangover Part 2 and blah, blah, blah. So you got sequels and franchises from what you've said so far. Yeah. And Thor so falls right into that category. So the thing is, a couple things stand out to me. The first thing is the 30th ranked movie at the box office for 2011 was Cowboys and Aliens. It made over $100 million and finished in 30th place. People yeah. obviously had a lot of disposable income in 2011. That's one thing. And although Thor made $181 million, it only finished in eighth spot. So... Again, running down that top 10, you know, I mentioned Harry Potter, uh, Transformers, Twilight Saga, The Hangover Part 2, Pirates of the Caribbean, Fast Five, Cars 2, Thor, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and Captain America. All, All of those are franchise IPs. Are sequels. Or sequels, yeah. Like that's, so, you know, you, you say what you will about, you know, how movies are better now or how they change or how good they are, you know, the special effects and production values. But one thing is for sure, Hollywood has no original ideas left. They just recycle old stuff. They do sequels, reboots, or whatever your reimaginations or franchise, whatever the hell you want to call them. And if you expand this, because the number 11 movie was The Help. And then there's Bridesmaids, Kung Fu Panda 2, X-Men First Class, Puss in Boots. So 
like 13 of the top 15 are sequels. Like it's, it's ridiculous. But in all fairness, hold on, hold on. We've had this conversation before, so I want to reiterate this. In one hand, I agree with what you're saying that we don't get as many original movies as we used to. That That is true. I'm not denying that. However, you need to remember, movie making is a business, and they are out to make money. And the, the people in Hollywood have cracked the code. You want to make a lot of money, you find a franchise people are already heavily invested in, and you give them more of what they want. And unfortunately, sometimes the quality in the sequels is not as good. Well, in a lot of cases, the sequels are not as good. But in some cases, you get these larger franchises. Fast and Furious franchise has a very loyal fan base. And despite I've only seen a few of the movies in that franchise, and I thought they were terrible. Like, I didn't care for it, but it has made a ridiculous amount of money. And, we, you know, we talk about the Marvel movies. Now, I like them, and I'm predisposed to like them because I'm a big comic book nerd. So I'm certainly the, the target audience. Mm. But... Again, you you get these A-list actors, A-list directors, you you throw a ton of money at it, you make it look visually spectacular, and you tie them all together to, you know, with the promise that, hey, after you watch these five individual movies, we're going to bring all these characters together and they're going to have a big party and we're going to call it the Avengers, and it becomes the number one movie in the world when it comes out. It's this, it becomes this whole idea about like, event movie going and again it's all dollars and cents so why why would you risk giving somebody a hundred million dollars to make a new movie that's never been tried never been never been proven that sounds good on paper but hey we've we know a lot of movies that sound good on paper and then you see them and you're like that was terrible where you can say let's just pump out another marvel movie we'll give them a hundred million bucks we know we're going to make five times our money so i again i agree with you that we're not seeing as much original content but that's why it's dollars and cents. There's just not, there's not the financial incentive to take the risk. It's just not worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing, so before COVID, I used to play this game with some friends. It's called catchphrase and no one ever liked playing with me because whenever we do the entertainment category, I know all the answers, you know, as long as the pop culture is older, you know, that's for sure. Um, so I remember we were playing a couple of years ago and one of the guesses or one of the clues was Chris Hemsworth. Okay. And I had no idea who, who he was, but I guess now thanks to you, Derek, I know who he is. <laughs> my wife apparently thinks he looks good with his shirt off. So do I, for that matter. Oh my God. He looks fantastic. Like, um, wow. Talk, it could have been chiseled out of marble. The guy, it's like a statue in this movie. Oh my God. He looks one, so good. One thing though about him, I, I do have to say, so I mentioned that we recently watched Sons of Anarchy. You know, yes. And the whole time I was watching this movie, I kept thinking that Charlie Hunnam, who played Jax Teller on Sons of Anarchy, mm-hmm. I kept thinking he would have made a good Thor for some reason. They definitely have similar uh, similar characteristics. They sort of have a similar look. They and I believe they're both from the same part of the world. Isn't Charlie Hunnam from Australia? And I want to say Hemsworth is either from Australia or New Zealand, if I remember I correctly. Think so, yeah, like I think Charlie Hunnam originally has a, a an accent. You know, which, yeah. which, which he used an American accent in Sons of Anarchy, but he naturally right, has right. another accent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. anyway. OK, so so what did you think of it in general? Like love it, hate it somewhere in the middle? Like uh, what were your initial impressions? I wasn't keen on the movie overall. And okay. and there were there was a few things. So so the one thing I want to you know talk about is, again, with this Chris Hemsworth thing, it got me thinking. Why is it in these movies that the lead actor always has to be so buff. I mean, okay, they've got superpowers, right? So if they've got superpowers, they don't need to be buff. Now, just hear me out for a second, okay? Thor, theoretically, could look like Wilford Brimley, right? It doesn't matter. He's got superheroes. He can fly. He can smash through walls. He can fight off anyone with his superpowers. So why can't he just look like Wilford Brimley? Wilford Brimley could totally be Thor. Do you know where I'm coming from? I do. And I think I think you're sort of going down the wrong idea with this. Like it's so I mean, obviously, these characters originated on the pages of comic books. Comic books uh, are wish fulfillment. And you look at any and every comic book character, especially the guys and especially the ones from those original comic books. And it's wish fulfillment. It's here's a guy who's this, you know, muscle bound, you know, like, again, I'll, I'll say Superman, even though we're not doing Superman, but it's like he's got all the muscles and he's like the perfect ideal of what 
what the pinnacle of what a human person could look like. Now, with Thor in the comic books, he's supposed to be a deity. And this one, they say, well, you know, we're not gods. We're we're an alien race, but we're really advanced. So from your point of view, we could be considered gods. And, and way back when we were, um, I, you know, again, if if I'm going to the movies, I want to be entertained. There's certainly that still that element of wish fulfillment that you want to see when you when you go to the movies to be entertained. And if Thor looked like Wilford Brimley, I wouldn't have been interested in seeing it as much. And I mean, honestly, Anthony Hopkins who's not in that bad a shape given his age, you know, he's a superhero in this. He's, he doesn't have a huge role in this, mm-hmm. but he kind of looks like Wilford Brimley. If, if you're looking for a Wilford Brimley substitute, there you go. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. So the movie starts out and these people are driving around in a van and it's Natalie Portman, the guy from Goodwill Hunting and Kat Dennings. And then yes. it struck me right away that Kat Dennings also drove around in a van in WandaVision. Because I, I started watching yeah, Wanda. Same character. Yeah. Same character. And I'm like, oh, man, because you always say these Marvel Cinematic Universe movies are all connected. And and then I, I recognized her right away. I was like, oh, my God, that's from what? Now, I haven't finished watching WandaVision, so I don't want to okay. get any spoilers or anything. But it's one of those interconnected pieces, right? Obviously, sure. Yes. Yes, it is. Right. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, I thought it was interesting uh, at the beginning scene there. They get out and there's like a crop circle thing there. And, and my yeah. son's like, hey. Daddy, look, there's a crop circle. That's an Easter egg, Daddy. And I'm like, man, my son's really picking up on the pop culture nuances, yeah. you know? So I thought that was really cool. Um, the one thing that stood out to me was the the Frost Giants, I think they're called. Yes. yes. It's just like Game of Thrones. Like, they're basically the White Walkers from Game yeah. of Thrones. Well, where do you think George R. R. Martin got his influence from? From Norse mythology, which is the same source material this is based on. The head guy here looks exactly the same as the head white walker it could even been the same actor for all i know and well, on this one we, it was confior so oh i just, I, I thought you know just another example of how everything everything is like a, a rehash of something else i remember there was a south park episode called simpsons did it where yep. everything in movies and tv shows has already been done on the simpsons at one point or another and it, it stood out to me in this film. Like there was the one, the, the big tall stone statues, just like the Lord of the Rings and Asgard, I think it was called. It's just like Isengard from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But anyway. So again, where do you think that Tolkien got his influences? The mythology, classic mythology is. And, and so you can't be surprised when, you know, the same, the same source material inspires different artists to interpret it differently, to tell their story. Of course, they're going to sound the same or look similar. That's, that's just part and parcel of of good storytelling. Why do you think these myths have lasted thousands of years? Because they're entertaining. People like to hear these stories. So I guess it's like, yeah, you know, it, it, these great stories have been done so many times before, you know, usually on The Simpsons, though. Simpsons yeah. Did it. Simpsons did it. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly, um, exactly. So there's that whole backstory with Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. I'm glad you mentioned him because I, I was watching him and I was thinking, like, is, is this all from the comic books? And I, and I think I think like wait a minute is, is Thor a comic book? Like isn't like Thor and Odin like you mentioned those are like old Norse legends, right? So are they from yes. a comic book or from an old legend? I don't know because I only ever read Richie Rich, Archie, and a couple of movie adaptations. So how the hell would I know? So I mean Richie Rich isn't driven from Norse mythology. <laughs> I always thought that no. Yeah, Richie we, Rich fought the whoever has guys, the gold me? makes the rules. We froze out your accounts, Richie. No, <laughs> exactly. I, I thought I remembered reading that one. <laughs> Irona, Irona. <laughs> yeah, <I love> so. <laughs> so, so was Thor was a was a comic book, obviously. So again, it's it's um, Stanley and Jack Kirby who in the '60s they created a one of the one of the many comic books they created was um, the characters of the character of Thor. It was it first appeared in a series called Journey into Mystery. And it was a comic book series where you they basically illustrated classic myths. And then the Thor character was a hit. So they gave him his own book and they put him in the Avengers and they just leaned right into the classic mythology with Thor and Loki and Odin and the Frost Giants and Asgard. And they call Earth Midgard. And that's right out of classic mythology. When I was in, in high school, I can remember one of the classes I was in, I was uh, we did like a whole uh, unit on like classic mythology and my buddies who were my, my D and D friends, like we ace that it was all like, learn the day, learn the various myths and legends. And it's like, well, we knew them all from playing Dungeons and Dragons and reading comic books. And it was like the only time we ever all got A's on the test. Cause we're like, it's kind of <laughs> nice. like, 
it's like it's like cheating. We already know this stuff. It's from our game. It's from our comic books. Like they're asking us, who's Thor's father? Like, come on, who doesn't know that? Oh, you don't read Thor comic books? OK, maybe you don't know that. So uh, I thought it was interesting when Thor was fighting all those white walkers and he smashes them with his hammer. And then like there's another one. And like I'm watching it with my son. I'm like, that looks like the same guy that, you know, that he just killed. And my son's like, no, daddy, no, no. You can tell that he's a different one because he's got a line on his chin that's different. And it, it reminded me of that old Dana Carvey stand-up routine. I don't know if you ever saw it, where he's like, kids can tell the difference between the different action figures. that they, they all look the same to parents. You know, they're just like the same action figure. Only each one has like a different click position on their index finger. Did you ever see that? He's like, no, Mega, I don't. Megator, Mega T, Mega 2. Every time I click, it's nine ninety five to you. Which remind, I, remind you that. I was like, like, there's nothing different between these guys. Like one little tiny thing that's different, but um, they're fighting the, the white walkers. And then there's like this big white walker monster that comes out and they fight him. And then he falls over the edge of the cliff. And it, again, it reminded me of something else in pop culture. It, it totally reminded me of when Bumble fell off the cliff in Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer. Again, everything relates to old stuff. Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. So, uh, Renee Russo from Major League. You mentioned all the people at Renee. You didn't mention her, but you don't see much of her anymore, do you? No, I read. I had to read up on her. So apparently, she'd retired from acting for a number oh, of years. Oh, maybe that's uh, why. To, to have a family, and uh, so she's been. She she was asked to come and be, participate in this franchise and uh, and agree to it. She appears in um, in the next movie as well, the sequel. Um, I want to say. She might have a guest appearance in one or two of the other movies. Again, once these movies all start to interconnect, the characters tend to make guest appearances in the other films as the stories overlap. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it was good to see her. She still looked great. I mean, she didn't have a lot to do in this one. And I think in the, that's why, it, again, sort of a bit of a spoiler in the, in the second Thor movie, more, more of the movie takes place in Asgard to give Anthony Hopkins more screen time to give Idris Elba more screen time to give Renee Russo more screen time and to develop those characters a little more. And so she has a, a more to do in the second movie. Uh, and it wouldn't be, wouldn't surprise me if she, she pushed for that to say like, you want me to come back? You got to give me a role with some, some me to it. Cause in this one, she just, you know, she has a few lines. She stands around, Oh, I'm the dutiful wife and mother. It's like, did you really need her to play that role? Like that could have been played by anybody. So uh, it still was nice to see her. I got a question for you. Yeah. Why do all of these medieval times movie characters speak with British accents like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones? It seems like if it happens in medieval times, they're from Wales. Like, what's up with that? Have you noticed that, too? I think it's uh, I think it's just a fluke of the casting in some cases. I think it's cheaper to shoot these things in Europe, in in Great Britain. And so, again, I think it's a dollars and cents business decision. If they shoot it in Europe, they're going to get tax credits. It's going to be cheaper. And uh, you, you've you got a lot of great talent in uh, in Europe. So I, I, that would be my guess. But, I mean, it just seems like every time there's a medieval, you know, times type movie or anything or TV show, like they've all got British accents. I don't know. So, okay. So in this movie, Thor goes to Earth and he's stripped of his powers. Just like Superman in Superman 2. And then the hammer gets stuck in the rock and no one can pull it out, which was mm -hmm. just like that 70s uh, anime, a Disney film, Sword in the Stone. Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. And then the one thing I liked in that scene, too, I like what all the all the local hicks are trying to get it out. They have like a barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> they got like a tailgate party. A tailgating party. They're yeah. drinking party. That was, that was pretty good. Um, and then so Thor ends up in the hospital on Earth because he's lost all of his superpowers. So basically he's Wilford Brimley in Cocoon at that point. And he gets up and that's when he's walking around with his shirt off. And then I, I remember I said to my son, I'm like, hey, look, he looks just like daddy with his shirt off. My son just starts laughing at me. Yeah. Nice. I'm apparently a living joke, Derek. I don't know. Um, well, I wasn't going to say it, but you know, I'm not, I'm not going to deny it either. <laughs> and then, and then there's the scene when the guy from shield, I think it is, he, he takes all yep. of Nat Natalie Portman's equipment and she's yep. like, who are you? 
And he goes, hey, you- sorry, Chris, you recognize that guy? He was in Iron Man. Do you remember him? Oh, that's right. I, you know, the whole time I was like, I've seen that guy from somewhere. Where the hell is he? Iron Man. Yeah, that's the other one you made yeah. me watch. He's one of the characters that appears in like the first four or five movies as a common thread because the the Institute of S.H.I.E.L.D. Pl- starts to become more important to the overall mm-hmm. storytelling. So he's there, you know, to, to, to represent this mysterious government agency. Didn't they, didn't they do a TV show called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like that? Yeah, starring that guy. That guy. Oh, that's, maybe that's why I've seen him on the, the ads or something like that. But uh, but I thought it was interesting because his line, he said, like, she's like, who are you? And, and he goes, would you believe we're the good guys? And I'm mm-hmm. like, man, Wilford Brimley said that in Remo Williams. Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. So again, they just keep copying it. But um, another question I have for you. So Loki, you mentioned. Yeah. He, he's, I think they go, they go to see him or something like that. And, and he's like sitting on this big gold throne. Right. Yeah. So here's my question. Why is it in these movies and these TV shows that someone always sits alone on a big throne all day long? Like Loki here, Game of Thrones, Baltar did it in Battlestar Galactica. Like what's what's the deal with that? Is It's obviously a historical thing. Like did people just sit on a throne all day long and just by themselves? So I, I think, I mean, I can't really speak to the bigger picture, but I, I think in this one, Loki, the reason he's there when they come in is he had just taken power. And I think it was more of a, I am finally at the pinnacle of where I wanted to be. And my plotting, planning and scheming has finally paid off. I was never supposed to be here. And yet here I am. Aren't I great? And while he's sort of reveling in his victory, the other characters come in, assuming they're going to have an audience with Odin, the Allfather, not realizing that Loki has... Um, has ascended to the throne. So I, I don't think we're supposed to believe that he does nothing but sit there all day long. I think it was just a, mm-hmm. a coincidence of the timing. It seems like it, though, just in these movies, like someone just sitting there all day. I don't know, just soaking in the power, I guess, is the the impression. And then I think at one point we learned that, I don't know if it's true or not, I didn't look it up, but we learned that Thursday is Thor's day. Yeah, that's true. So I just, yeah. So Anthony Hopkins, you mentioned him. It, it, it's funny, he... At one point, he's not really dead. He's just kind of in a coma. And then it was at that point of the movie that I realized, I don't know if I just, you know, I, I'm i kind of slow. It takes me a while to pick things up in these movies. And then I realized Rene Russo is supposed to be his wife. And I'm like, in, in every movie, in every facet of life, there's they, they always depict powerful men as having younger wives. You ever notice that? Of course. Like it's, it's, like just, it's such a... I think yeah, it's, it's not it's, just movies. It's historical too, right? It's wish fulfillment. It's, yeah, yeah, it's the, the old white men thing. telling stories going, well, what would I want? Well, I'm an old white guy with a lot of money and a lot of power. I'd want a younger trophy wife. Um, you know, I'm not to, not to, um, not to like, not to say that that's the right way to go, but mm. traditionally that's how it's worked. And uh, again, this did draws I, from, did I, mention, so, did I ever yeah. mention that I have a younger wife? I also sit not, on a, but, I also uh, sit on a gold throne all day by myself. So. You painted your toilet gold? <laughs> exactly. So um, Thor's hammer, I noticed, has a name. Yes. Majumner or something. Mjolnir. Yeah. Mjolnir. Mjolnir. I, that's not uh, how it, Yeah. And she, Kat Dennings calls it Yum Yum. I, I, it reminded me of Sean Majumner. I just kept thinking, he's like this obscure Canadian comedian. Oh, the comedian from, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every time they mention the hammer, I, the hammer, I would say to my kids, I'm like, hey, look, it's Sean Majumner. And they're like, just stop, daddy. Like, like, Did they even that? know who that was? No, they're, they're like, they're you. like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, geez, whatever. Um, so Thor can't get the hammer, Sean Majumner, by the way, out of the rock. And, and then he starts crying. And my youngest son comes in and he's watching it with us. And he's like, Really? Daddy, why is he sad about a hammer? Why doesn't he just go to Canadian Tire and buy another hammer? <laughs> I'm like, jeez. I, I go, because you can't go to Canadian Tire and buy Sean Majumner there. And he's like, Dad, stop, stop. <laughs> but, um, okay, so I got another question. Asking about sure. thrones. I got another one related. Loki wears a cape. Okay? Yes. What's up with wearing capes? Like superheroes who, wear capes. Who Come wears on. a cape? I mean, other than Superman. Superman. I always, I always, yeah, but I always thought Superman Thor. wore the cape because it helped him to fly. Like, is is a cape a sign of power or authority or something? It's again over the years, 
so Superman's a good example. So mm-hmm. the Superman character has been around 80 years. They've had a lot of time to think about why certain things have, have come about to be the way they are. And so in the last 10 to 20 years, they've described, oh, well, Superman wears this cape because it helps when he's flying. And Batman wears the cape because it's like made of a Kevlar-like substitute that, that helps stop bullets. None of that was taken into account when these characters were created. The cape just was a way to make your hero look different than everybody else on the page. Because especially with Superman, the cape is bright red. Um, and so I think that's just where that comes from is – some heroes have capes and it's just a way to differentiate. It's it's animation 101. Whenever if anyone ever takes like a, a course on character creation, graphic design, animation, animation 101 is all your characters need to have a distinct silhouette so that you can tell them apart with a moment's notice just to glance over. And um, I think that's why a lot of the characters have capes, is it's an easy way to distinguish certain characters from certain other characters. Like very few, very few Superman and Batman villains have capes but in the marvel universe very few of the heroes have capes like spider-man doesn't have a cape iron man doesn't have a cape but so many of the villains have capes so again i think it's just a way when you're doing something like a visual storytelling like a comic book to very quickly and easily be able to say who's who at a moment's notice so that would be my guess i mean i don't know for sure but that darth vader wore a cape too and cylons wore capes but they were mostly like a cheap tv ripoff of darth vader you know, so there you go. Um, another question for you, Natalie Portman's character. I mean, come on. She lives in this messy trailer. I don't think so. I mean, nobody who looks like Natalie Portman lives in a messy trailer alone. No one. And I'm not just trying to say that a person's looks determine their level of success in life, but I mean, come on. I mean, we live in a society that places value on physical appearance. I mean, maybe on air guard or whatever the hell that place is called, but on earth, I mean, she ain't living in no messy trailer. That that was just weird. I think you have to suspend your disbelief. Again, the, the, a lot of these comic books, especially a lot of the Marvel books were created in the sixties. The vast overwhelming majority of these characters were men created by men. And the female characters in these stories were so often the lowest lane trope. It was the damsel in distress. It was the the love interest. It was the caretaker. They were eye candy. Like they they were minor characters at best. They were two dimensional. They had no real story or or importance to the plot. And the Jane Foster character existed in the, in the original Thor comics again as that damsel in distress. And good on Marvel for trying to introduce stronger female characters into the story. I mean, this, the movie's Thor, so you know it's about a guy. And the, the villain is Loki. So again, for now, the story's about a guy. Well, we need to have a female character in here. So they did the, you know, they did the smart thing by making her character a scientist, making her an expert in her field. Uh, again, they cast a beautiful woman. That's partly to get bums in seats and partly because the primary bums going in those seats are from guys like me who have read comics all their lives. Again, pro- pro- predominantly males. I love to see Natalie Portman in this movie. She's awesome, which is not to say I wouldn't have gone to see it if it was somebody less attractive, but I couldn't give a crap where she lived. I was willing to suspend my disbelief. The whole passing between earth and Asgard thing was a, it was a plot device, right? Um, and then they send that bad guy robot down to earth and he's the destroyer. Destroy, yeah. He destroys things. Right. And, yep. and, but again, I liked it better in Superman two. When the bad guys, when it came down and they started destroying things, you know? So again, please, Derek, Superman 2 is better than Thor, right? You agree with that statement? Please don't make me bust out the caveman song again. No, I think think I'd agree with that. I mean, Superman 2 is a pretty strong movie. It it has its faults, but given what it had to work with and the time when it came out, definitely, I think it's better. Now, you told me last episode when we watched this movie you said, make sure I stick around until the end of the closing credits because they always have some extra stuff at the end, like a little yes. scene. And it yes. was Samuel L. Jackson telling the guy from Goodwill Hunting to look in a suitcase. And it yes. happened, I was like, please, please be the suitcase from Pulp Fiction. It might have been. We never saw what was in the suitcase for Pulp Fiction. Yeah, that's true. I mean, these MCU movies, like you said, are all about crossovers, right? That would be one 
amazing crossover <laughs> between the MCU and Pulp Fiction. Wouldn't that be good? Okay. If we so, find out Sam Jackson is really playing Jules, playing Nick Fury, oh, yeah. Oh, God, that'd be That'd great. be interesting. Then I would I would love to like this movie a lot more. But uh, overall, did I like it? <sighs> it's a newer movie. It's got a lot of CGI in it with superheroes. Do I need to play the Caveman song again? Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, what would you give it as a rating out of 10? Um, this is definitely not my absolute favorite in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was still Marvel trying to find their footing. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Iron Man was a surprise hit. I don't think anybody expected it to be the blockbuster success that it ended it up being. It was quite good, though. Like, it was Iron quite was good. good. I enjoyed it. And then when they put out the next one was The Incredible Hulk. And it was it had its moments, but it also had some downsides. Uh, and there was a lot of legal issues behind the scenes, which is part of the reason we never got a, a Hulk 2 movie. Thor, again, they needed to introduce a character to the public uh, movie going audience that they didn't really know. You had to introduce a lot of characters and they knew they wanted to use Loki as the villain moving forward in the next five, six, seven movies. So you needed to really establish who he was and try to develop a little bit of sympathy for why he was motivated the way he was. So I, from a world building intellectual property building point of view, I can understand the net, the necessity for this movie, but on the grand scale, grand scheme of things for Marvel cinematic universe, Definitely not my favorite. Probably falls into my five least favorite of the Marvel movies. But even that being said, it's still got a lot to like about it. And because it was one of the first ones, you sort of you, your expectations were sort of mellowed a little bit for me. Anyway, they were sort of mellowed going into it, going, well, I don't know. Like this was only the third movie. They weren't 20 movies in where you're like, OK, my expectations are so high for number 21. If this movie's not an, a, you know, a nine out of 10, I'm going to be disappointed. So I'd say I'd probably give this one about a seven. It's good. It's probably not the one I've seen the most. It has some stuff to like. It's not awesome, but you sort of need this to get the foundation for the other ones. And it makes the other movies better by knowing what happens in this movie. So I'm going to stick it to Solid 7. So if, if like you say, Loki is, you know, this pivotal villain, you know, in the next couple of movies, they really needed to set that up here and really knock him out of the park. And I think he could have been cast different as well. I feel like they didn't do a good job of that. I don't think they really kind of, brought him to the forefront in this movie and i think that the actor that they cast in in the role of loki could have been stronger i don't know i'd probably give this movie a four wow Sorry, four. Hello, maybe eh? a five probably a four so I don't well know. i will tell you now i i will in the between now and christmas mm -hmm. i am going to at some point recommend that you watch thor ragnarok which is actually thor part three because See, I heard is, that one was pretty good. Yeah, it is definitely I remember hearing that. that it is definitely one of the top five best Marvel movies hmm. that they've made so far. But again, it builds on what you've learned about Thor and Loki in the other movies along the way. And if you've never seen any of the other movies, a lot of what's in there will be lost on you. But I, I knew if you've seen this one, even if you didn't really love it and it didn't sound like you loved it. No. You've now got a solid enough foundation that if I recommend that other one down the road, mm -hmm. you'll be able to follow it and go, oh, OK, I, I sort of get where this is going. So. But if we watch Thor Ragnarok, I have one question. Yes. Does Chris Hemsworth take off his shirt? Oh, many times. Oh, well, in that case, I'm in. All right. Let's go. All right. <laughs> let's do some trivia. Fun with Caveman. Derek. What's a good superhero movie without a super villain? Right? Or as uh, I believe you, not comic, much, yeah. you comic book guys, I think you call them arch nemesis or whatever the hell the name is. So here's That's what fair. we're going to do. I'm going to mention the villain or the arch nemesis or whatever the hell they call them. And all you need to do is just name the superhero that's associated with the villain. Okay. okay. So for example, if I was to say Lex Luthor, you would say Thor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Superman. And you would get next. Okay. So super easy. Okay. The Green Goblin. Spider-Man. I'm going to start you with an easy one. Okay. How about Zod, Ursa, and Non? Superman. Max Shrek. Oh, that was uh, Christopher Walken in the Batman. Batman movie. Batman. Magneto. Or Magneto. That'd be the X-Men. Magneto. Is that his name? I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't I've heard it pronounced both ways. Okay. William Stryker. 
Riker. I think that was in the X-Men movies as well. Two of the same answer in a row. Or to quote our movie from last episode, that's a fucking trick question! Now you know what that comes from. Okay, mm-hmm. Killmonger. Black Panther. I'll, I'll have to get you to watch that one soon, too. That was yeah, a good I heard that one was it's, really it's quali- good. It's arguably the best yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I heard it was good. Dormammu. Uh, Doctor Strange. These, these last couple, it's, it feels more like I'm playing around a Pokemon or a drug. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Obadiah Stain. Iron Man. Baron Zemo. Baron Zemo. He, uh, I guess we would say Captain America. Civil War. You know, okay. Syndrome. Who's Syndrome? Syndrome. Oh, that was the uh, the Incredibles. Very good. Well, it helps that I've seen a lot of times you ask me trivia questions. It's like, that's a movie I'd have never seen. I've seen all of these. You've seen all of these. Of course, if you have, you like these. Thaddeus Savannah. I I think you're going to stump me here. I don't think I've seen this one. Hang on. Thaddeus. So what was his name again? Thaddeus? Thaddeus Savannah. I have no idea. It's Shazam. Oh, saw it once. It was okay. All right. Adrian Veidt. Oh, that was uh, the Watchmen. Rasputin. I will not accept Tsar Nicholas II, by the way. Rasputin. Rasputin. Uh, Wow. I don't know. It's Hellboy. Hellboy. Sure. Okay. And the last one. I have seen Hellboy. I just don't remember that. Yon Rog. Who's Yon Rog, the arch nemesis of? I don't know. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Okay. I got a couple past you, but man, you do a lot of those. I can't, I tell you, geez. Well, again, it's, it's kind of a cheat when I've been reading the comic books for 35 years and, and then they put it into a movie. It's like, well, these are all the characters I know and love. So, and let me tell you, I've been to your place before your house and I've seen in your basement, your collection, you must have six or 7,000 comic books. I'm not lying. I'm not. I think 7,000 is about right on last count. Yeah. It's like it's so it's many. So yeah, you, you been know. collecting since I was ten. So yeah. we're talking thirty-five years of issues, and not one Richie Rich. I'd like to say, uh, no, I think that's a lie. I think I have one Richie Rich that I bought for you that I haven't had a chance to give to you because oh, I haven't seen you oh in God, the better part. Of well, here. we got to get back together then soon. Yeah, let's as soon as we're done here, I'll drive down and I'll come and see you. Okay. If it means okay. a Richie Rich comic. Oh man, I'm in. All right, so next week we're going to be back with a topic. So we'll figure out something and we'll come back with that. Uh, until then, this is Chris McBrien for Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 